Thanks for listening to the Gateway Live podcast, a collection of recent sermons, teaching, and inspirational content brought to you by Gateway Church of Upstate New York. Visit our website at gatewaylive.org for more information. Now, here's today's message. John chapter 15, verse number 1. I'm going to read fast, so listen fast. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the vine, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vineyard keeper. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. He prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you, just as the branch is unable to produce fruit of itself unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Say, I'm a branch. You're a branch. I'm the vine. Do you ever see those people that can take a branch from a peach tree and graft it into a uh, an apple tree, and it still produces peaches? Do you ever see them do that? All kinds of different. They can graft, put trees together. Well, uh, the idea of, of, of grafting, we're grafted into Christ. It's still us. But, but we're, we're tied in, so hang on. We got, got, let me finish reading this. And then it says, um, the one who remains in me uh, and I and him will produce much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he's thrown aside like a branch and withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire that burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. So, the idea of us being branches and Christ being uh, the, the, the vine that we're supposed to, our lives are supposed to be grafted into. I, what I want to declare to you, those of you that are being baptized, those of you that have been baptized, we have underestimated the power of that. We have, I have underdeclared it. Um, and the preaching uh, of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you experience water baptism, you are experiencing your own death, burial, and resurrection. The old man, when you die to yourself, when you, how many here are looking to be baptized? Come on, raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six. All right, and there's more that aren't here. Those of you that, you know, when the old man when, uh, is going to die, you declare that over your life. Lord, the life that I've lived, I, 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 want, I want to walk in a newness. So there's a death that happens by your choice. The burial is the supernatural act of you being buried with Christ in baptism. And what happens, what we have told you, and it's absolutely true, that man that you're trying to uh, uh, crucify, that one that you're trying to say, hey, all these mistakes in my life and all these sins in my life, when, he's, when you're buried with Christ, that man's dead. It's a completed work. It, it's, it's amazing that God, uh, uh, the, the, I believe at that moment in time is when the blood of Christ covers your life. 
and to be liberated and separated from your sin. How many experienced that? It's an incredible relief. But what we have failed to declare in its fullness that I want to try to go down that road today is the power of the resurrection in your life. So many times what we're looking for in a, our religious circles is we want a ticket punched to heaven. I, I just don't want to go to hell. Well, okay, that's a worthy thought. You don't want to go to hell. That's great. I don't either. The thing of it is, that is our salvation is, is so taken care of and complete. When, when you repent, it, there's so much more to the kingdom of God and what he wants to do in your life than rescue you from a fiery pit. I'm here to tell you and declare God's purpose and plan in your life is not just give you peace about death, but it's to give you power in your life so that you can be, literally be, the expression of Jesus to this world. Now, I know I'm talking fast, so go listen to this and put, you know, online and you can slow it down. But the reality of it is, you that are going to be baptized... And you, you make that declaration, and we declare the name of Jesus. You're baptized into Christ. Here's, uh, see if I can say it like this in Galatians chapter 3, verse number 25. But since that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus. Say, we're all sons of God, male or female. We're his kids, right? I don't know if we fully have ever comprehended the authority we have being his kids. You know, because we're constantly religion, if any of you have experienced any religion, present church included. I'm not saying we're better than whatever. There's this idea that we're never, ever good enough to do what God's called us to do. And the problem is we know who we are. And we know we're not good. But Jesus said, unless you abide in the vine, you produce nothing. You can't do anything. But the reality of it is, the flip side of that is, if we abide in Christ, you know what happens? We produce much fruit. Say, well, well, it's all him. No, we're the branches. We, if we don't get a hold of the reality of our identity, then we will constantly be in a, in a religious mindset of our, our sum total of what we're doing in the kingdom is, I don't want to go to hell. I'm here to tell you God has so completely taken care of that in our lives. It's time to move on. It's time to think about something else other than. You know, am I going to be eternally judged? Crying out loud, man. That's the very foundational in our faith. You can't just stay there. God doesn't want us to stay there. So Galatians chapter 3, it says, that for you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus. For as many as you that have been what? Baptized 
How? I'm going to baptize you, and you're going to speak the name of Jesus, and I'm going to speak the name of Jesus, and Jesus is going to be all over. We're going to bury you, but I'm going to tell you what. You didn't just get wet. You were baptized. You will be baptized into, into Christ. It's just not a ceremony for a moment. It's a reality that exists in your life from then on out. I have been baptized in to Christ. I have, you are not getting baptized into a religious idea. You're not getting baptized in the gateway. God forbid. You're, oh, I, what, love you. No, no pressure here. Not trying to insult you. Well, I've been baptized a Catholic. I've been baptized a Methodist. That, I'm, well, shame on you. You ought to be baptized into Christ. <laughs> Not into a religion. Your religion isn't going to save you, but Jesus will. I shouldn't say shame on you. I take that back. No shame on you. But the reality, what, I, what I'm excited about is the idea of, 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 of being, you being baptized into Christ. And it goes on to say, uh, for as many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ like a garment. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Jesus. And if you belong to Jesus, then you are Abraham's seeds, heirs according to the promise. That's it. way too much for me to get into there. But you put on, I've, man, oh man, if, if my faith, in God, in my pursuit of Him, doesn't cause people to see Jesus in me. You need to go back to a mirror and say, what am I, what's wrong here? One epistle says, we, beho- we behold His glory as in a mirror, and we're changed into that image. And I, I challenge you. You know, of course not when you, you know, uh, as we learn and grow in Christ, I don't expect everybody to be, you know, full grown right out of the chute. But the reality is you ought to be changed into his image from glory to glory. And that only comes by constantly, uh, 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 the scripture says, abide in me. Well, how is it that you abide in him? When you lift your hands here and worship to him, that's abiding. When you take time in prayer, in relationship with Him, that's abiding in Him. When you take time to listen, when you take time to hear the Word, that's abiding in Him. This Word today has the ability to change you more into His image than you've ever been. And, uh, uh, you know, that comes with an open heart not just a one-time prayer in your life, but an openness that's continual. So there are promises that are ours. So let, let me just, a couple other things here. Uh, I'm going through this fast, so we can slow down. Colossians 2 says it like this. Verse number 8, Be careful that no one takes you captive through, to, through philosophy and empty deceit based on human traditions based on the elemental forces of the world and not based on Christ. What he's talking there is be careful that religion doesn't ruin you. 
You know, somebody said, oh, you're religious. They said, no. The last thing I want to be is religious. I have a relationship with the living God. He is in me. And he has changed my life forever. That has very little to do with religion. I understand what they're thinking. But the idea, I think religion has, it's taken me years to overcome it. And some of its uh, uh, things and beliefs. It says, so be careful no one takes you captive through philosophy, empty deceit, based on human tradition based on the elemental forces of the world, not based on Christ. For the entire fullness of God nature, God's nature dwells bodily in Christ, and you have been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. Listen to this. And you were circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands, but putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of the Messiah, having been buried with him in baptism. Do I need to do an anatomy lesson here? Does everybody know what circumcision is? Any questions? Because I'll answer it. Okay, that happens. Where did it come from? Do you know it was, it was a covenant that God made with Abraham so long ago that every male child would be circumcised? Why? It just it was a setting them apart. It, 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 there was a cutting away. Don't ask me. You can ask the medical field if you want, whatever. Uh, it's, a still pra- it's still a practice we carry on in America. But it was started out with God calling Abraham. It was a part of the law. If you were going to be in covenant with him, you had to, you had to be circumcised. And, and, and uh, it, it, it literally caused you to have access to the promises. Now, I know we access the promises by faith, but I'm here to tell you, faith demands that you follow Christ. Faith demands that, man, if he told me to be baptized, then I ought to be baptized. Yes, I'm pressuring you. I just, it, because it's, it opens things up in your life. And it says here in Galatians, uh, or Colossians, it says... Um, you were also circumcising him with the circumcision not done with hands by putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of the Messiah, having been buried with him by baptism. Baptism is not an outward sign of an inward work. It is a spiritual operation that takes place. And it literally cuts away the sins of the flesh in our lives. And it goes on to declare here, that, and you were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in your trespasses and your un, uh, the, the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave all, all our trespasses. When you go down in a watery grave, I guarantee you there are things that, that you feel guilty of in your life condemned about, wish you'd have done different. Anybody got any regrets? But I'm here to tell you, when you go down in the water and you are buried with Him and you put on Christ, those things are gone forever. They may be in your mind, but they are not something that God holds against you. Can you imagine walking around with such newness that all of that is gone? I'm here to tell you that's the power of 
of His Word in our lives. And if we are, in our, if our faith is obedient faith, it's not just I have this belief. Well, does your belief make you act? Your belief ought to change your action. Somebody said to me one time, I don't mind believing in Jesus. I just don't want it to affect my personal life. I said, well, you got a problem there. Because believing in Jesus turns your world upside down. And it is so much better. So much better. You know, somebody, you know, it was my birthday, yeah. So, but I, you know what I don't, I love you, I love you. But you hear from those people every year, happy birthday, thanks. Okay, five years in a row. That's the only time I hear from that person, that's the only time I say. But I appreciate you that are in fellowship and, and uh, I, if you haven't seen my parking spot out there, you need to go see that. Those Byron kids just did it up, and uh, I feel very uh, blessed. But the idea of, of uh, uh, just year after year, uh, it, what happens in our lives is coming in to an, a, a progressive revelation. He said, if... if uh, the, if the Spirit will lead and guide us into all truth. You know what that means? It means you don't have it yet. You know what that means? I don't have it yet. He's just progressively over the years leading us bit by bit. If baptism is the next place he leads you, let it be that. But don't say, oh, that's the end. That's, there's the goal. It's not the goal. That just get you into the kingdom. And it, it says, uh, here, here's what it says. It says, having been buried with him in baptism, you were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in your trespasses and, and your, uh, the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him, forgave all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed us and opposed to us and has taken it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. Okay. That's a little more than forgiving you for some kind of wrongdoing. Right? It, well, again, it's forgiving you of, of past failure. Whatever they are, that's a little bit deeper than that. He says the certificate of, of debt and uh, the obligations that were against us, he's erased it. He erased that. And he nailed it to his cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed, he triumphed over them by him. Man, not only did he forgive us, but when we're in Christ, all of a sudden, the authority that he has becomes ours. As you go down this road, it's taken me 40-some years to get here, but what you're going to do that are getting baptized here uh, in the next few weeks, you're going to exponentially get revelation and understanding. Why? Because as Ned said to you today, I believe you are the 11th hour laborers. There was a... There was a uh, 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 
parable that Jesus spoke, or maybe the reality, I don't even know if it was a parable of what really happened. A guy had a big field, needed harvest, he went to the marketplace, some guys early in the morning, he hires them for, a, you know, a certain wage, he goes back at 10, hires more, noon, hires more, all day long. Finally, it was like an hour before quitting time, he hires some people saying, "Go!" I said, I'm going to give you a penny, give you the same. They all come back. And the ones that only worked an hour got the same wage as those that worked all day. They're like, what are you doing? And the, and the, the guy said, look, did, I, did we agree on a price? Then quit your complaining. Quit, you know, you just, and, and, and I'm here to tell you, you that think, man, you're getting in under the wire. I believe we're, some incredible things are coming. And yes, you are getting in. Maybe in the last moments, you know, you feel like you've waited and wasted your life. God's going to bless you for the time that you give him right now. For the reality of what he's doing and what he wants to do. So, when that happens and you step into the kingdom of God, there is an understanding and a revelation that's just unfolding in our lives that I want to share that I, that I want you to embrace because it's true. And if you uh, read the Gospels, reading uh, Luke, the account of the life of Christ, and it goes through so many things, but in uh, Luke chapter 3, uh, Jesus is baptized, Right? A good example of baptism. But you can read it. it was, and then the, the Father speaks from heaven, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Baptism uh, uh, to repentance. I don't believe he needed to be baptized because he was God manifest in the flesh. But he did it as an example to us. But from that moment of baptism, here's what happens if you read it. He is thrust out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I don't believe that I really understood temptation until I took on the name of Jesus. Why? Because I just, it didn't matter to me. Right? We lived our lives, you get, you know, especially today, the, the culture and the world around you can justify anything that you're doing. But man, when you come into contact with the living God, and you begin to, and you surrender your life to Him, and you just you know, at first, barely plug in to the vine, right? He will not let you stay in your sin. He just won't. How many of you know? He will not leave you alone. He didn't leave me alone. Why? Because he wants you to be free. He's already erased the penalty and the certificate of debt, and that's why we can come to him at any time and say, Lord, man, sorry, you know, Forgive me for this, and it is instant. It's not, well, you need to pay this back. He's already paid it. So the idea of uh, uh, that time in my life, all of a sudden you're thrust into the reality of temptation and the choices that you make. And then we're, we're... Given the opportunity to make choices where before, when we were held captive, we really didn't have an opportunity. We didn't have a choice. 
so Jesus is thrust out, and he's tempted by the devil. And he's tempted by the lust of the eyes, uh, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And he literally, by having relationship, because he was God manifest in the flesh, he was able to defeat every one of those temptations. And um, I asked Jeannie the question the other day, and I'm, and I'm wondering, I don't know, do you think Jesus had to have faith to step into his earthly ministry? I, you know, and I, I don't I really have an answer, but as far as, you know, a, a firm answer, did, did God manifest in the flesh even because he was fully man? Did he know and have a sense of his destiny, but then did he have to make a choice to walk in that? I think he did. He had to make a choice to walk in it. It's like, well, well, no, we feel like he was, you know, uh, he had no choice. I believe we all have a choice. I believe you have a choice. I believe he did, and he chose. That was the power of his life. He chose. He chose the cross. He, he chose to pay that price for us. He chose at an early age. I can't imagine the, the Son of God growing up, God manifest in the flesh, and then the, that revelation of who he was coming to him, and then the responsibility that come with it. And here we are today. Um, some of you may feel like you're in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. You know, some of you have yet been to that place of baptism, and, and uh, that's coming for you in your life as an act of obedience. Wherever you are, uh, I'm going to tell you where God wants us to land. And it's in Luke chapter number 4 and verse number 16. After he was tempted... In uh, the wilderness, he went to Galilee. He comes to Nazareth. And as his custom was, he was in the synagogue. And it was his turn to read. And so, you know, there he was pretty, pretty well known, and they're excited to hear what he had to say. They, he was a good speaker, all this stuff, that according to what I was reading here. And, and so they, uh, here, here's what it says. He comes to Nazareth. Verse 16, where he'd been brought up. And as usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And everyone's eyes uh, in the synagogue were fixed on him. Can you imagine? There he is. He reads a prophetic text, knowing that he's the fulfillment of the prophecy, knowing that it's him supposed to do that. And everybody's looking, you know, they're expecting some dissertation, some, you know, smart religious 
comment on, on Isaiah's passage, and, and Jesus goes, sits down. He's, I think it was dramatic pause. They're looking at him. And he had the audacity to say, today, this Scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Today. Not the day before, not a week before, not, not before he was tempted, not before he was baptized, but there was a course that he was on, and then he got to that one place. And he made a declaration so amazing. It, it stunned them. And they, this was a place that was familiar to him. He was raised there. They were excited to hear him. He was a good, good speaker. And then they went, what? How dare you? Think that you could do anything like that for God. And they literally got together and they got them to a cliff where they were going to push him off. You know what? Jesus has a way of just kind of melting into the crowd. Or I don't know if he just turned around and looked at them and they just parted. Because he had divine authority. But they went from being excited to hear what he had to say to like, who do you think you are? And I'm here to declare this morning that sometimes the Word of God will cause you to be, we think it's always going to be that we're going to be arms wide open and somebody patting you on the back and oh, isn't that so exciting what God's doing? There's some people that are going to hate what you do. More so if you hear what I'm saying this morning. Because what I believe with all of my heart, and I know my flesh resists this, but because I have been baptized into Christ, because I've literally put him on like a garment, because I am plugged into the, the vine, and it, that it is up to me, it is my responsibility to produce fruit. It, it is me that God has gifted, right? I'm not I'm saying I'm saying that for me personally. I'm saying that for us collectively. It's not me alone. But I, what we have done for so long is resisted being Jesus to this world and what God's calling us to be in the in the final hours of what I believe are the the, the final time frame. And whether it's this generation or the generation to come, we need to pass this on so that the sons of God will stand up. You realize in Romans it says all of creation is groaning with the expectations of the sons of God being revealed, the revelation. Well, who, who does it need to be revealed to? I believe the sons of God need revelation about who they are. It's not, we don't need the world. They're not going to see it, but if we don't see it, we're not going to stand up like we should stand up. So let me tell you what I think, and you can call me a heretic, but I'm going to tell you, you wait and see what God does in the weeks and the months to come. I say, well, you, are you that kind? I am. I am. If, if we choose to embrace what God's called us to do, here's what I think. <clears throat> should be done, all right? And I am going to change the wording a little bit. 
But I want to declare to you that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I want to declare, let me say it, the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. Okay? I want to qualify something. I will never be Jesus myself. Okay? I am not a, I don't have a Savior mentality. I'm not, that's not what this is about. But I'm telling you, the question I have for you that are biblically astute, are we the body of Christ or not? Are we the body of Christ? Did he call us the body? All right, so that means that we're Jesus? Yes or no? We are Jesus to this world. We put on, when you've been baptized, I'm here to tell you it does more than wash away your past. It puts you on a, a road to the future that's absolutely unfathomable. That he would trust us enough if we abide in him. If, see, we believe because he's the vine, we're the branches. If we abide in him, that he will bear much fruit. But the reality is, we're the ones that bear the fruit. We believe if we abide in Him, that He will heal somebody that needs healing. And what Jesus has called us to do because we're His is to heal those that need healing. I can't heal anybody. I can't either in my flesh. But if I'm in Christ, I'm with good company that says, all things are possible. The, you know why the apostles turned the world upside down? Because they weren't asking God to do something. They were doing it. We, we miss it by asking God to do what we're supposed to be doing. I realize not everybody's going to get this. Give me time. But I'm going to tell you we're about to show you what it is. Not as a show off, but God's given revelation. Why did it take so long? Because I have been in the wilderness being tempted for 40 years, not 40 days. You have been in a place where it's why? Because God wants to make sure that for those of us that are going to carry it on, that it's not going to destroy us because he cares that much about us. He'll let us just barely get through. That's fine. He wants us to be all right. But I'm telling you what he's looking for in the day that we live is a representation of him. And, the, you know, for Jesus to be in that synagogue and said, man, today this is fulfilled. That took some guts. That made some people mad. Who do you think you are? You know, you think you're all of that? Well, the fact is he was all of that. And he knew it. And so there's going to be some people that say, whoa, what do you think you are? Who do you think? I think I am in Christ. I think that he's gifted me. I think that, that, that the call of God in our life, if you lead, read the Scriptures with that understanding, makes perfect sense. The idea of me asking God to heal you when he's already commanded me to heal you, if I'm asking God to do something he's already commanded, then I'm not praying in faith. But if I'm declaring a word that's true over you, and, and I say that for me personally, but this does not work, and I'm almost finished. It doesn't work unless we do it together. Okay? Because I cannot be all of Jesus. I am not, never will be. 
But I'm telling you what, I'm a part of the body of Christ with specific gifts that the body needs. And so are you. And so are you. And so, and I believe in our assembly, the fivefold ministry that God's putting together and the, and the other gifts that are being lifted up that are yet to be lifted up because you're getting ready. But I'm telling you, when you get in, this is what God's going to require of you. It's what he's calling you to. And the idea of it, oh, this is scary. Well, maybe. I, you know, I, I, there's some things, but he's never called me one place that he doesn't keep me in it. And the, and the only thing that we have to do is continually abide in the vine. Then we're going to bear fruit. But what, 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 how do we do that? Well, we come together, we pray, we come to prayer meetings on a Thursday night, we do extended worship, we, we, you know, we have personal devotion where I'm just lifting up Jesus in my life continually. I want to be like him. I want to keep looking at him. But I also at the same time want to take on the responsibility that he's given me and not doubt him anymore. So this is what this should read like in our life. Stand with me. And if you can put, let me get to Luke here. If you can put uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 18 up there. I, be I believe everything changed from that day. When Jesus spoke those words, and I believe everything could change in your life if you're willing to declare some things. And I'm going to do this regardless who else is going to do this because I'm, I know I'm called to it. But what we're going to speak together is verse 18, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. We have to declare that. We, we've always wanted God to do something. You know, Lord, you do that. Instead, he want the Spirit of the Lord. How many of you have been filled with the Spirit? So if the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, and you want to make this declaration, I want you to come on up with me real quick. We're going to speak it together. It's okay if you're not ready to do that. It's okay if you want to do it by faith. It's okay if you want to do it in your spirit, in your seat. But how many of you filled with the Spirit? Come on. If you're not, we're going to pray you. Pray with you. Pray it in you. Come on, I'll give you a minute. I love you, Jesus. Look at this, this means something today. Not just not an exercise and trying to close a service. I want you to say what, what we say today. I'm telling you, I believe it's in the Spirit and that God wants you to act differently. God wants you to take, embrace the calling and the gifting, the, the newness of life, the power of His Spirit in your life. 
And so I want you to repeat after me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. Because He's anointed us to preach good news to the poor. He's anointed us. He has sent us to proclaim freedom to the captives. He sent us that the blind might recover their sight. He sent us to set free everyone that is oppressed. Come on, that's us. Father, I speak it today upon us. Lord, that you would be declared through our lives. Too many times we want to point people to a written word when you want to point them to us. God, you want them to see your glory and the power of your Spirit in our lives. God, I declare today only because I can abide in you, I can be plugged into you, Lord Jesus, that I will do these things with my brothers and sisters, that I will, God, be Christ to this world. Jesus, thank you for your calling in our lives. Thank you for that declaration that's been made here that people have declared that. And I speak your goodness and your favor right now as we pray. So one more thing before we sing and worship. If you have never been filled with the Spirit, listen, it is the greatest thing ever. It really is. I want you to I want to pray with you. If you've never been baptized, put your name on the list. If you need healing today, Jesus is in the house to heal. And while I'm not going to ask, you come up for prayer if you need deliverance. I'm not going to ask God to heal you. I am going to speak that into your life with the authority that he's given us. And so today, as I pray this prayer and we sing a song, if you need any healing, don't leave here. I'm telling you what, God's going to confirm this word with signs. And we need to let him do it. So, Father, today, thank you for every good gift. I speak your, your, your revelation and understanding. I speak your word. Let every need in this house be brought before you, knowing that you desire to give us every good thing. So I speak your healing, your deliverance, your wholeness in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on down. Let's worship together. Let God do what he will. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure and subscribe to the podcast to be notified when new messages are released. And remember to visit gatewaylive.org for more information.